the Resistance Broadcast, everybody. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Monday show. It is February. February 1st, 2021. Already a month into 2021. And it still feels a little 2020. But we're here to push the positivity of Star Wars in your faces, in your ears. (laughs) However you're taking in the podcast. Welcome, everybody. James and Lacey with me, as always. Um, What is going on? with the two of you james what's up buddy guys what's going on is the schmodown (laughs) (laughs) so i'm so pumped man yeah it's um it's crazy so i don't know how many of our listeners are dialed into that sort of thing um they've heard us probably talking about it the last couple of weeks but uh yeah the schmodown is essentially the ufc version of movie trivia and uh Mm -hmm. we're kind of uh, putting our hat in the ring for the Star Wars division, and you know maybe some other stuff, um, but yeah, Lacey and I got drafted, and um, you know it's uh, going to be a pretty wild, wild scene, and uh, hopefully all three of us are involved uh, taking over this whole operation. But uh, it's uh, it's pretty exciting nonetheless, and we'll see we'll, we'll see where we go with it. But it's a it at the very least, it's also an excellent way for for more people to get to know us, and uh, yeah. a great adventure for us to to go on. Uh, as a little family here, but also doing our separate things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm excited for you guys to, I guess, like even battle each other in, to a degree. You know, <laughs> Lacey it's called nuts. me yeah. out. Yeah, I did, and now I'm regretting that decision. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in shock still uh, because I went into it really being like, oh, this is nothing. I'm not going to be called at all. This is nothing, and I was just like these guys know and you guys probably know from our reaction video that we put up i was just like enjoying watching the show like i was laughing at the jokes and enjoying people and being like this person is so funny we were cheering on other star wars players like we were just having a great time and uh to hear my name called was like really it's still weird it's weird Mm -hmm. it's a little weird for me it's it's wild um so yeah i'm gonna be a part of a faction called the dungeon and i'm in the den these guys are like cut out of my mold like when i because <laughs> when i talk to them before the draft you know they're they they're old school wrestling fans like me like from when i was a kid like the, the glory days of wrestling and they, they they have like the chip on their shoulder a little bit of attitude and and, and that sort of thing you know you know a little new york style and and uh I, I i'm so excited to join kaiser and uh robert who are the two who called me and then meet everybody else who's involved there i know there's some like big names in schmodown on that faction so i'm gonna be like a little guy in a totem pole at the beginning but uh, i'm excited to, to get going and you got some cool oh and molly's on my team molly damon's on my team so i'm excited about that yeah so i don't have to yeah, face molly exciting. which is a good thing i'm pumped that i don't have to face thomas harper who is the number one pick in star wars who's also on my team so the pressure's like off me i just yeah. get to like hang out yeah he was like second um, pick in the whole thing right yeah, yeah. it was good for it's him crazy for but yeah. um yeah no i from watching the draft, as soon as Kate came on camera, I was like, this woman is the best. And she's so funny. And every time she came on, I was like, she's literally the best. So, like, as the draft went on, I was like, I really hope she picks me. And then she did. So then it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're down with the uh, movie trivia, um, check us out over there. And uh, it's, a, it's a new adventure. And we appreciate everyone's support because, you know, it's, it's certainly – going to be a little nerve-wracking it was just like with anything you start from the beginning but 
uh, a fun ad- another fun adventure for for us here at TRB to get into. And thanks to uh, you know, Krishna Harloff and Mark Ellis and everyone at the Schmodown. What an operation they have over there. Um, and we're glad to be a part of it. But um, we are going to get into our show here. And what we always do is give our takes on the latest going on in Star Wars news on Mondays. And we it may be a while till we see The Mandalorian Season 3. James, what is going on this week in the Resistance Report? It's the Resistance. Guys, this week, John Favreau has been hiding all the secrets uh, until he decided to finally spill the writing process on The Mandalorian. Now, we've been wondering, I know Lacey's been wondering, what the heck is with the whole Luke Skywalker thing? Like, why did they leave that out of the gallery and all this? And uh, he finally uh, has opened up a little bit about it, saying... Um, you know, when he was asked specifically on the inclusion of Luke Skywalker, he said, the story unfolded as I wrote it. Uh, the Mandalorian inherits a great deal of existing Star Wars stories. And when I write, that context is always a consideration. It became clear that within the established continuity, certain things were likely to transpire. Um, Lacey, I'm actually going to start with you on this one uh, because I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Um, he said a lot more than this, so you can get into whatever, but you know, what it, what was your thoughts on, uh, John Favreau talking more about the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian? I'm actually surprised you're starting with me because he says a lot about the writing process. And I remember when I was reading this, I was like, oh, John's going to have some good input because he's an actual writer. Whereas I'm not, I'm like, oh my God, tell me more about writing. Um, <laughs> no, it was, there's a lot to unpack in this article in this interview, he says so much that I actually took notes, like with exact quotes this time, because I didn't want to misquote him. Um, So one of the things stuck out to me, he said, uh, and so if you have the inspiration to write off, I often don't wait for permission. I just start to go because I know that I'm not always able to do it. I just loved hearing him talk about the writing process and how passionate he was about it. I had no idea that John Faber was such a passionate writer. I always just kind of assumed directing was his thing because that's what most people know him for is acting and directing. Um, But this interview really opened my eyes to him really enjoying the creative process of writing and coming up with his own stories, Um, which I can't wait to hear what John has to say about that. But other than that, like him talking about his collaboration with Dave Filoni was really cool to hear. Um, just how closely they worked because I know that early on people were like oh are they going to get along and it's like here he's saying from day one they would spend so much time and like I think he put it even like hours and hours and hours of like collaborating and talking about where the stories fit and I think that's the piece that stuck out to me the most is him saying that he was conscious of the story he was creating and how it fits into the Star Wars universe and how it fits with all the other pieces of the puzzle of Star Wars and of that world so that he wanted to, you know, make his own mark and create his own thing, but also be respectful of what came before him and the people that work on it from Lucasfilm uh, so that he felt like he was part of the team, so to speak. And I really like that. And we know from our discussions on John Favreau about how he loves collaborating and he loves putting together a team that works really well together. And I think that lends itself not only to the success of The Mandalorian, but how good Jon Favreau is at his job, at being creative and at creating yeah. these stories that have lasting impacts on people from 
not just Star Wars, but everything that he's ever done. Um, so I could just read interviews, listen to John Favreau all the time, like keep giving them because I'll keep reading them. Yeah, well, John, what were your thoughts uh, on this particular story? Yeah, I, I agree with Lacey in terms of uh, just diving into the headspace of uh, these creators. And for me, especially the writers, because um, I always, you know, writers are the ones who often get the least recognition when it comes to a movie. Usually it's always director. But I always look at who wrote something after I come out of it, especially if it's something with substan- substantial story and dialogue, character connection, that sort of thing. Um, so Favreau actually... I would say started more his career as a writer um, with Swingers, uh, most important. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't have thought that just because of Iron Man and like what he kind of got known for. Yeah. So, so I think Elf was his first feature directing in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Iron Man came five years later, probably off of the success of Elf. Like that, that thing, yeah. you know, just came out of nowhere. And everyone's like, wow, Favreau they made can, so much money on that. Favreau yeah. can deliver a monster <laughs> holiday movie. Um, but yeah, so Swingers, he wrote, and you, you, if you watch that movie, you know, it's an indie movie, but he really knows how to bring uh, realism to his characters and connect them. And, and you, you want to, you, you fall for these characters in terms of like connecting with them and rooting for them. And he knows how to bring you in and make you like his characters. And that, that was 25 years ago. He probably even wrote that in the early nineties. He's, that was probably almost written 30 years ago when he was in his mid twenties or early twenties. But you know, now he's he's even more of a seasoned writer. But I, what I liked most is how he's kind of saying, I didn't want to waste my time. So now I pitch things in abstracts, which is, you know, like if you read, you know, science essays and stuff, it's basically like, here's what here's the gist of what this is going on here. It's their pitch. You know, here's what I want to write about without getting into nuances and details. Like an outline? Yeah. So he's like, I wasn't yeah. going to, you know, thread this out and, and torture myself through the writing process if I was going to get rejected. So I was going to pitch this and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Once I get the okay, then it's okay. And now I'm going to hop in here and really thread this out. Um, So I loved him talking about that. And then the other thing is like so cool. Like Dave Filoni is his like bat phone, his own personal. (laughs) He had like a speed dial. Yeah. He's his own personal story group guy. Like really? Like that, that's what that is. Like he doesn't need, the whole committee, he has Filoni there. Like, so he's like, yeah, so I, I bounce these ideas off Dave. And he's like, well, this would fit like this in the universe and maybe change that to this. And I kind of like that. And uh, so, I mean, it, it is certainly more of a collaboration, even though Favreau's writing all the dialogue and all the story. But you mm-hmm. have Dave there mm-hmm. to make it fit in this galaxy, in this universe, in this canon. Uh, so that teamwork there is, a, it's such a good you know, where Favreau has gaps, Filoni's filling them in with the Star Wars, you know? Right. And and Favreau can take this story and you could rip Mandalorian out of Star Wars and he could tell that story and it'd be amazing anywhere else. An old Western, uh, timepiece, you know, it's a wonderfully written story. It's just how, how it happens to fit now in Star Wars and Filoni's there to make sure that works for the, the whole canon element of it. So I, I love that. And, and him not feeling um he he's so confident because he's such a um an achieved filmmaker that he's not threatened by the idea of having to go to somebody below him i hate saying that word but in terms of like stature in the industry 
to lean on for certain aspects. And I think that's key because if he was one of those people that needed to put his foot down and be really rigid in terms of how he wanted to make this thing, they could have there could have been major problems in terms of them butting heads in terms of making this work. So I love that as big of a star as Favreau is, because to me, he's king right now. He's untouchable. Mm-hmm. As big of a star as, as he is, there is that humbleness and 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 you know you feel that collaborative nature that comes starts at the top and has filtered through. And everyone we've talked to, from uh, Paul Song Young Lee to uh, Frank uh, Ippolito, everyone we've talked to and had a chance to you know pick their ear and pick their brain about this series, they always keep saying it's a family collaborative environment. Everyone's rooting for each other. And that starts with Favreau and you see it here in the, in, in the pages, like what he's saying. It definitely does. Amazing. Top down. Love it. Yeah. I did forget to mention that there was a big chunk of this that he talked about, uh, storytelling now compared to probably 10 years ago. And not only that, but movies to TV, the difference in the relationship that you have with the audience, which I found very interesting. Um, he, he basically acknowledges it and he's like, you know, some people get into the thick of it and some don't, but it's clear that they're, they're paying attention to what people are talking about and they're listening. Yeah. But I think it is a different world that he's been introduced to with streaming and television that he's getting this immediate reaction. Whereas with, he said that with movie reviews, they kind of just come in eventually Whereas TV, it's like they're immediately talking about whatever their problems are. Yeah. and <laughs> So mm-hmm. it was just interesting to hear him acknowledge that relationship and the difference between how people are taking in not just media from TV to movies, but with the whole streaming dynamic and that everyone's home right now. So it's yeah. like everyone's taking in everything that they can. And I think that The Mandalorian came not only at the perfect time for Star Wars fans, but for people in general. Yeah. One one other aspect about this, um, unless James, you want to pop in and then I'll, I'll throw in my two cents about the lack of Luke news in this, even though the main people who ran the story put Luke at the forefront to, to bring people in, but it's really not there at all. Oh, yeah. I feel yeah, bad. Yeah. I didn't really talk about that, but go ahead, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I mean, I, that I noticed that as well, that I thought it was a little odd that um, the story was led with, uh, you know, all this stuff about Luke Skywalker and the inclusion of Luke Skywalker, when really at the core of it, the the story seemed to be more about the writing process for mm-hmm. John Favreau in general uh, and about how, like, he, he's good at it and, and how he tackles it. But in general, it's more like I'm not – I don't like doing it. It's not my favorite part, so I do it when it comes natural um and then they're like well what about the luke thing like was that like kind of planned and he was just kind of like not really it just sort of like naturally came to be because as we were progressing the story well what else would be around this area in the star wars galaxy and this particular character showing up just seemed to make sense within the thing the biggest takeaway that i got i think from the whole thing was that whole argument that we have that like the filmmaker or or the big storyteller can do whatever the heck they want and the story group just has to kind of try to like make it work or whatever but i felt like in a lot of this it was very clear to john favreau that like it wasn't like he wanted to do something and somebody else was telling him no he was saying this would be cool but it doesn't work so i'm going to make it different i'm going to make it work and I don't know if that's where Filoni fits in because he just kind of understands the continuity of everything 
or if it was really just a personal passion of John Favreau's to be like, um, hey, I would have loved Luke to do this, but that doesn't line up with stuff that JJ said about him, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's not a good example because, you know, the whole very clear split on that personal um, thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that that aspect of it was interesting. There's more. There was actually a lot to this article, but um, I don't know. What, what did you what did you want to say, Lacey, about the Luke stuff specifically? Oh, I just feel bad because you like kind of tossed me like an alley oop, and I didn't dunk it for you about Luke. There was oh, no, not much. Fine. <laughs> there was not much about Luke. I, I I am disappointed that we didn't get to hear about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're holding on to information or something about that that they haven't really talked about yet. I'm assuming maybe when awards come around, we'll probably see like how they did it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just like they did it for clicks, you know, they were like led with Luke because it would get them the clicks. But the thing is, is the stuff that's in here is just as good as any type of Luke Skywalker information, because like John said, John Favreau is just so likable and charming and wonderful and humble and open and honest that you can't read this and walk away without learning something like, don't from you, it. Don't you want to just go to his house and bread chicken with him? <laughs> I don't know about that specifically, I, but sure. I like that one of his quotes. Oh, so I want to do that. Said, so <laughs> specifically, man, where was it? Cutlets, I'm gonna have a hard time finding it right now. Wings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so James, as you're looking for that, you know the Luke thing. You know whatever, and we put it as a part of our headline too. To be to be fair about this, but. Um, and what you said about, you know, Favreau and um, not having, not knowing what works and whatnot. I think sometimes, you know, John Favreau is such a passionate guy. And in season one of the gallery, when he was talking about the Mandalorian, he... You mean interrupting people about the Mandalorian? Yeah. And it, it, I think he's so passionate about it that it's almost, it's probably almost like, this is what I want to do. How do we make this work? And how do mm-hmm. we fit this in? Uh, but one thing I saw people going on about in defending the sequel trilogy, which I obviously love the sequel trilogy. They say, see, he didn't have Luke planned from the beginning. You can write, and even people who didn't like the sequel trilogy, you can uh, make it up as you go along, but you have to do it well, or you have to be a good writer and stuff. The the difference Mm -hmm. here, though, is this isn't, you know, John Favreau is writing this whole thing. Whereas, you know, J.J. handed it to Ryan, Ryan did his thing, handed it back to Trevorrow, who didn't do it, and then they handed it over to J.J. It was way more choppy than, here's Favreau saying, like, yeah, I'll get to that later. Here I am still doing my thing. Yeah, Yeah, they used to do that in school when you'd have a, like, that was a writing prompt. I remember in English class in, like, middle school where someone would write the intro, then you'd pass it to someone else. They'd write the, like, middle part. And then you pass it to someone else and then they would write the end. Yeah. And then you'd all collectively look at it and see how things differed. And every single time, no matter, even if you were writing with your best friend or whoever, it always is going to end up differently because everybody has different viewpoints and backgrounds and opinions and thoughts and ideas that it's never going to be the same. So to even compare this to the sequel trilogy is like apples to oranges because it's not the same right you, like you said it's the same person throughout the whole series you, you have to mm-hmm. yeah you have to compartmentalize it because just because something hasn't been written from the very beginning doesn't mean it's a direct comp to something else yeah. that wasn't done that way but, but john also don't don't forget the the another point to that is that the there's a difference between the sequel trilogy in the sense that like that was that was the main story that was being told in steps. And this is right. This is he's, he, he probably has a general idea for the main story as far as like 
the Mandalorian character. Oh, but sure, sure. With Luke in particular, that's that's an add-on. He probably is is sort of kind of figuring out the new characters and the side characters as they come in and they kind of work around as the process sure. goes. Uh, and that's what he's describing when he's talking about Luke coming in and people are like, see, see how it was perfectly orchestrated? It's like, well, it kind of wasn't. And I think that's what he's clarifying here. It was kind of as it came along, but that's completely different than you know the sequel trilogy where it, it's not like they're writing season one and then yeah. again, like handing it off or, or I don't know, just like he has no ideas for season two whatsoever and he doesn't start until... It would be... Um, the end of season one. I mean, I think that would be kind of crazy. He obviously has ideas of where he, where he wants this to go, yeah. and he's in control. Yeah, it, I mean, it'd be interesting if he did have the idea that Grogu was going to go off with someone, some Jedi, but he wasn't sure it was Luke, or if that entire plot point was added because he's like, we're bringing Luke in. That I would love to find mm. out. Yeah, what uh, I was going to say earlier, and I don't know, maybe this is, it could be a typo, it could be a, a phrase that I've never heard and I'm pronouncing it wrong, but you'll understand what I meant. It was, he he said, uh, directing became a way for me to chef my writing through the process, <laughs> but, but now there's the collaboration. And I was like, I don't know what that means exactly, but Because everybody knows weird. him as the chef, you know, leading the kitchen type yeah, thing. I I think that's, yeah, I think that's what he said. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny because when I hear the word chef, I think of the movie chef and I think right. of John Favreau. During this interview, and he's super passionate about cooking. Yeah. His sleeves were rolled up to here and he had flour all over his arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somehow he had chicken cutlets. I don't... Mm-hmm. I Every know. once in a while, there's a close-up of him slicing onions with a razor. <laughs> what? That's always, the, the, you know, the, the Goodfellas yeah. shot where he's slicing the onions. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing that I thought was interesting about this, and it was when they were talking about the creation of uh, Baby Yoda or Grogu, and this wasn't too much about uh, anything new, um, but it was interesting for the first time I thought he was like, yeah, I kind of had this idea for a character long before we started this, and, and I kind of want to cultivate that idea, but it's it's just interesting to me to think John Favreau's out there and he has this Star Wars idea in his head. And when he had the idea and he decided, I want to cultivate that character, it wasn't this huge, massive idea. You know, it wasn't this mm-hmm. character, not yet. And it just made me think, like, I have ideas for Star Wars. Are my ideas multi billion dollar ideas? Or is it just people like John Favreau that get it? And then it makes you wonder how many other ideas are there by by people at his same level of talent and stature that have ideas for Star Wars that just for whatever reason never come to be. And it's like, it's just sitting there. Like, you know? I think it's a, yeah, no, it's kind of overwhelming so when you think of it like that. that. Yeah, and yeah. you could be walking down the street next to someone that's got the next big thing running around in their head. But I yeah. mean, you could say that about anybody. J.K. Rowling wrote no. down Harry Potter on a napkin. Like, Totally. It's kind of crazy that that's it makes you wonder, like you said, how long has he been walking around with this idea? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of cool that it's like it started with one idea and then it grew from there. Yeah. I mean, a, a similar story would be, um, you know, the whole creation of Rogue One. Like, yeah, I have this idea for a story, you know, and it's like John Knoll who could that, do whatever he wants. Yeah. I mean, that, that, <laughs> that story hey guys, has how, probably been you know that crawl kicking around for, for a while. First movie? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just make that a movie? 
Yeah. They're like, all right. Everyone's like, why would we do that? And he's like, because I invented Photoshop. And then like, then like <laughs> yeah. Bill chimes in like after Rogue One makes a billion dollars and he's like, hey guys, you know that crawl for Empire Strikes Back? What if it, they're like, no, Bill. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> John No gets to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, speaking of the Mandalorian season three, uh, or the Mandalorian, I guess <laughs> season three might be starting sometime soon. Um. This is a story that uh, I started with Lacey on the other one because I want to start with John on this. Um, I'm glad you are. To, I can't wait to hear what he's about to say. <laughs> yeah. A, According to, I guess, FTIA's website, um, it's a website that kind of covers production news and, and what's going on with, with movies and television and stuff like that. They say that the third season of The Mandalorian is beginning, um, is going to start filming uh, April 5th, 2021. Um, but we will say, and John can get into the details here, is that the site has missed on a number of other stories. Um, so there's kind of some maybe, maybe not with this one. John, what do you think about uh, the possibility of Mandalorian season three beginning in April? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. And, you know, if that's the case, then we're looking at um, next spring Mandalorian season three coming out. Because um, the timelines of both season one and two even with the COVID thing, which again, they, it was a miracle that the, and a blessing that they finished filming before the pandemic, um, was over a year from start to filming to when it came out. I believe it was October to the following November for season one, and then November to the following December or around there for, or October to November again for season two, um, for a start. Or I apologize, season one started filming in September and debuted in October. I think that's what it was. But anyway, it was over a year. You get the idea for both season one and two. This one, if this is true and they start filming in April, we're looking at a May release uh, possibly for season three of The Mandalorian. And then you start wondering and like connecting the dots with other projects like, all right, well then, you know, when's Andor coming out? Or when's Kenobi coming out? Is Are they pushing Kenobi for the fall? Or that, you know, and you start spinning your, your head about that. But... Also that the next chapter of The Mandalorian is the book of Boba Fett, because that's been the big kind of still back and forth for people. It's still, so Favreau's making it clear that Mandalorian season three will still be starting with chapter 17. They're not, Boba Fett is going to be. No, but I'm saying in the Disney investor call, they said the next chapter of The Mandalorian is Christmas Day, 2021. So the next chapter is the book of Boba Fett. If they're saying that season three isn't starting filming until April. Well, that, that, yeah. And that might be absolutely true. But what's what's tricky to me with this site is, and there's so many of these sites that have these. Again, ac- if, if. <laughs> right. There's so many of these sites that have these like acronyms and you, you look at them and your, your eyes are telling you that it's this official legit thing because they use like you know certain fonts and make it look very production oriented and so you know ftia and a lot of people are running with this is accurate a lot of sites that i respect are running this is accurate we ran it as a rumor just because of the history on this with with them and it's not just you know star wars news that we've gotten things wrong too right so we're not here Mm -hmm. to throw stones at all but the point is when it comes to stories based on the same exact type of storytelling you've been wrong on then you have to put it into Mm -hmm. question so you know the kenobi thing they had a big misfire on they said it was filming in boston massachusetts in january this month and i have I have not you see boston yeah you know what boston and even they're Stephen talking about. colbert like ran with it 
Like he started oh, making jokes about it, you know. So, and I haven't seen or heard or anything about Kenobi filming this month. And if it is, it'd be you know pre main cast and you know uh, that type of thing before main principal photography because everything we heard is um, Ewan McGregor starting in March. And Kathleen Kennedy said that Ewan McGregor said that, and those are two good sources uh, for that show in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Pablo Hidalgo has has thrown some uh, mud at these folks about things they've gotten wrong in on other Star Wars projects uh, from his you know private hidden Twitter account that people screenshot and <laughs> post. Twitter. Um, Twitter. You know, so you, you gotta you have to you have to get the cinnamon out a little bit, a little bit with the pinches of cinnamon on on the on these types of reports. But again, it's possible because we haven't seen anything happening with them or heard anything about the Mandalorian filming, and we're almost in February. So, two months from now they start filming. Yeah, maybe, you know. So it's possible. Yeah. It's possible they're right on this. Maybe there's some things they they nail. So, um, I'm just saying, don't be skeptical. I guess is my thing. And then in terms of like assuming if this is right, then we're looking at Mandalorian season three coming out in like May of uh, 2022. Maybe they do a little May the fourth uh, opening episode thing. Who knows. Mm-hmm. But that's what we'd be looking at if that or, is or the classic, case. Because like classic May Star Wars, just yeah. Because I, I I don't see any reason if they didn't do it for season two in terms of crunching the time. I know people are gonna you know bring up the pandemic stuff, but you gotta imagine it's gonna be another year turnaround from when they start filming. So that's what we're looking at. It's like a May 2022, unless they just hold on to it for some reason. But the whole thing surprises me because I figured the Mandalorian is the one thing they did not want to change because it was just everything was working well for it. It's kind of like, it, it almost gives me that fear of what happened with like solo when they are like, yeah, let's, Oh, we made all this money on these December releases. Ah, screw it. We'll do a May release. Nope. So I don't know. It makes me a little nervous, but I'm sure, you know, Mando is a pretty solid production, so it'll be fine. But um, I don't know. I'm just saying be skeptical because it's not an official announcement. We haven't heard anything about filling, but if it is the case, we're probably looking at May, 2022 to see Mandalorian season three. Yeah, Lacey, what do you think? Well, first of all, I enjoy that John brought back Pinch of Cinnamon. It's been a while since we've <laughs> yeah. heard that statement. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, second of all, um, yeah, I these kinds of things, again, it drives me nuts when I see people putting on Twitter, like, confirmed. And I'm like, is it confirmed? Yeah, no. Like the, you know, Thor gif. Like, is it, though? Yeah. Is it confirmed? Yeah, right. Uh, because in... Until you get, like, a big trade reporting it or, I don't know, from Lucasfilm, I wouldn't really bank on that this is exactly correct. You can say, hey, even maybe. Even big trade. Yeah, even. You know, it's just, like, one of those things that until it's, like, I don't know, from Lucasfilm as an announcement, you got to at least pose it as a maybe. You can't mm-hmm. exactly say yes to it, even if you end up being right in the future because you just don't know. Um, and it's just kind of for fans that are just casual and picking up news here and there, it's unfair to them because then they run around and, and say incorrect things and pass it on to me. And I'm like, come on. Uh, and nobody wants to feel dumb. So just be cautious, I guess. Um, other than that, it wouldn't surprise me if they were dragging out production on Mandalorian. Um, it came out last week that Disney Plus and Hulu, I believe. Yep. Nope. Yep. Hulu. They're suffering from churn. So people are signing up for to watch these shows and then dropping off immediately, unlike Netflix, which is staying. People are staying pretty mm-hmm. 
legit to Netflix, which they've been around the longest. That's so because they just did their movie a week. Yeah, thing. movie a week thing. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry, not Hulu. It was WB um, HBO Max. Uh, they're experiencing this churn. So what Disney needs to do outside of you know creating more content is they're going to drag out content that they know people are going to watch and spread it out amongst the stuff that they're unsure about um, because people are willing to stick around for what's to come but that might backfire on them because people are already jumping ship so I guess that we'll see how they handle that but it is a problem yeah yeah I don't know that's a good point yeah, I think Disney isn't quite there as far as like, because um, I know there are definitely people who I would imagine would have the service and they've been very open about like, oh, I'll get it for two months while Mandalorian is around and yep. then I'll cancel. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I definitely know that to be the case. So uh, I I know that once they, their, their big thing is going to be Marvel probably. Like I know Star Wars is big too and they're going to get there because we just saw all the announcements of the shows. But right now they're getting ready to get into like, Oh, WandaVision's done. Well, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but boom, like right, you know, right off. WandaVision of that. has um, been a, a trip for yeah. anybody interested. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. worth it. And uh, I, not I don't know something, it. John. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, have you watched it? Yeah, everyone's like, I can't believe they did that. I'm like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get it. <laughs> People are connecting things that happened um, in, in Age of Ultron. So just I'm to like... give you a heads up, it, it just makes sense that it seems like, from rumors and whatever, it seems like they're they're putting her up to be the next villain, which could bleed over into the Doctor Strange movie. Well, like Jean Grey? I guess so, yeah. Oh. Sort of. John. <laughs> The yeah. X Men movies are terrible. Don't don't. All right, you need to you need to stop. Right, you need to stop. You need to stop that. That is not true at all. The first two X Men movies are fantastic. And I heard Apocalypse is pretty. And X Men Days of Future Past is one of the top ten comic book movies of the last twenty five years. How you doing? I thought it was okay. And for, yeah. So, just stop it. I liked it when it came out, but I've watched it recently, and I'm like, no, I don't know what I was thinking. Dave, <laughs> this is not you, you, good. You mix up your your you've you've shown that that you mix up your X Men movies. No, I don't. Yes, yes, yes. When have I done that? When we when I talked about how great the opening scene of the first X Men is, and you you were talking so about X Men First Class. Yeah. Oh. Well, there's there's a thing there is you weren't talking about the you the it is both in both cases the opening scene of X Men and the Magneto opening scene of X Men, so there was a thing there, but um anyway, but Star it wasn't Wars so podcast. much like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um I I going off of what you were kind of pitching as your schedule um hear me out D- does this sound right then this coming December th- this Christmas we get Book of Boba Fett. Then in May, which is another traditional Star Wars time, that's when you get your Mandalorian season three. December would be Andor, big Andor thing. Then season four of Mandalorian in May, and then potentially Kenobi season. You think that? Well, you're talking about 2023 Kenobi? Yeah, it would be. Based on that, but yeah, I guess that seems kind of far. But I mean, uh, if if that isn't the schedule that they have planned right now, then you have to think they're going triple 
TV shows. I think they're trying to get a Star Wars property in every quarter. The only thing, the only reason why I would That's think the that goal. they would they would push Kenobi so for a year. Yeah, the only th- reason why I would think they would push a Kenobi to the holiday show for 2022 is to use celebration as a hype thing to or get even to get people to celebration to to get amped up for it or something because that's the one that in every poll we run every poll we see people the most excited about the kenobi thing because everybody knows kenobi yeah and everyone wants to see ewan back honestly mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so so then you have to assume that it would be book of boba fett and mandalorian and Kenobi and Andor all in this all in one year. Well, Book of Boba Fett's going to be a short thing, I think, and they may even wrap that up at the end of this year. That's fair. What what I I started by saying giving the schedule, but yeah, they're going to do Book of Boba Fett, and then in the next year they would have to do Mandalorian season three, and Obi Wan, and Andor. If I had to guess, and those other things that they're doing, like the Visions thing, yeah. The Bad Batch is mixed in, obviously, and then other any other an- animated stuff they eventually announce the droid thing. That's wild. Yeah, I, I mean, if Andor is filming now, that's going to be the next one out after Book of Boba Fett, which means that'll come out first quarter, twenty twenty two, maybe, unless they push that to. Oh, like, that's a good. Unless point. they push that to spring and then push Kenobi and Mando to later in the year, because sometimes they don't like releasing things Q one. Usually, you dump things you don't believe in in Q one. Because if they did Mando and Kenobi in the fall, then like you said, with Celebration, they could boost both of those things at that event. Yeah, like the return of I mean, the Mandalorian. And D23. Yeah. Like, that'd be a big deal. Yeah, and what John was saying, it would make sense to do Andor in the spring, Mandalorian in the summer, maybe, and then Kenobi in the fall, winter. That's nuts, guys. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say or how to. Yeah, add you on to could that. kick off Mando before Celebration because Celebration's obviously later in the summer. You could do Mando like midsummer, mid uh, beginning of August for D twenty three. So then, by the time you get to Celebration, we all have a couple episodes <clears throat> under our belts, and then you have the panels, and then what's next type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, let's talk about video <laughs> games. <laughs> Because I don't know what else to say. Season three potentially starting uh, to film in April. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, PlayStation Magazine this week uh, did an interview, and it involved the Lego Star Wars Skywalk, the Skywalker saga, I should say it right. Um, and uh, in this interview, I think the the big takeaway that everybody was talking about is that the, the game has the potential for up to 800 unique characters, and approximately 300 of those characters will be characters that you can play as um and of course they added that includes fan favorite babu frick hey hey <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no this got everybody talking a little bit about uh how big this game is going to be there were other details about being able to play the saga in whatever order you want um and there was another little note here too and i don't know if anyone wants to take off of that but, um, you know, that some of the uh, stories will be expandable and they'll go into other details uh, that maybe did not show up in the films, uh, specifically maybe giving uh, Finn a, ro- a larger role in The Rise of Skywalker um, to, uh, quote, cha- uh, it's their chance to put things right. Um, so I hate that quote. Enough, I hate it. I'm going to tell you right now. I hate that quote. I read this article and I got rage reading that. Yeah. Well, it's the first line in The Force Awakens. So. Yeah. 
All right. Well, sort of. This will begin <laughs> to make things right, but yeah. The way I feel about it is when you as a creative say, even if you're trying to be, you know, cheeky and like chance to put things right, hee hee. That means that you're saying what was done was wrong. I agree. And that is a bold statement to make about anybody else's creative work. And that's what annoys me. I was like, I don't care if you're trying to be funny because it's not. Well, like you're saying that it's wrong and I don't think it's wrong. You could want more from a character and you could want more from their story and et cetera. But I don't think what we got was wrong. And I think that's what's annoying me. It's it's that like I call it like a feign bold stance like you know when people like they have a take but they read they read the pulse of the collective first before they put their take out there so they're like they make sure mm-hmm. everyone would agree with it first that's what this feels like because this is off the heels of boyga you know having his issues and people saying he was done dirty and and all that stuff and then they're like oh is well that, i see this is as that them the- using his words and doing even more dirty because you're promoting uh, that's what i'm saying to do it yeah that's <laughs> what i'm saying so so they're using that as a way to pump what they're putting out um and it's I, a lego I, kids game i i i don't like it I don't, I don't like that either but i also find it interesting that ian mcdarmid's sister is actually in charge of this game company i thought that was very interesting are, they're not related, are they? Probably not. They're not. No. Um, I, I did miss when I first read the article, though, that it was Don McDermott. And I was like, <laughs> reading through, I was like, who said this? Like, what, yeah. it, what, <laughs> what's that? Because like, uh, I, I didn't write this article. I proofread it. And as I'm reading it, I'm just like going through it. And it says, like, another interesting comment from McDermott is that I'm like, why is Ian McDermott commenting on Star Wars Lego yeah. video games? Yeah. He's over there like with this gaming set on. He's like, yeah, he's doing this thing. He's like, right. <laughs> he's got the headset. He's like, no, go to the left, left, left. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Um, I, I definitely think when it comes to that, like that political thing, like I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily like somebody's hot take. I think it has reached the point now where it is a, a kind of like an accepted take. That's what I said. Um, yeah. Because they're, yeah, yeah, but it, I, I mean, maybe that is exactly what you said, but I, I took what you were saying as a little bit more like, uh, it's a risky take. It's, no. It's a, it's a personal no. opinion or something. You make no. sure it's cool first, and then you act like you're being bold by saying it. You know? Like, you make sure everybody yeah. everybody hates Domino's Pizza first, and then you're like, you know what? I just want to go out there and say this. Domino's Pizza sucks. And then everyone's like, yes, tell them, man. It's like, and it's way more serious yeah. than that, but I'm just bringing up pizza because everyone relates to pizza. I guess, but I think enough people felt this way about this about this particular situation that it's hard to tell the difference between, you know, like it, it's, I don't know. It's almost like one of those things where it's like almost objectively Domino's pizza is bad, you know, or something. I just feel like it's one of those things like, what does this do by saying this? Except yeah. making it like, wow, cool. You're super edgy by saying this yeah. in a video game interview. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I think the general thing here is that I I would probably just like, <clears throat> and I think what we're saying here is we would like that they would just explain that there's going to be more characters and more to the story where you get to go into the parts that weren't able to be in the film period right. and it doesn't Explore have anything to do with more storylines like that you might want to know more about you okay to, you great. get to be there Bob was no Frick. problem to begin with there you go yeah there you go yeah 
But um, I am just thinking about now just <laughs> Ian McDermott just have a Twitch stream where he's like playing games and his I username would, is like Sheevy Babe six six six. I would one hundred percent watch Ian McDermott play video games. Because he'd be the one doing this like my mom does. Like, yeah, if you're not, if you're not watching, if you're listening, I'm jumping the controller. Conan control. O'Brien video game yeah. things that they used to do. Do you remember yes, those? I remember yes. him playing. He used Where to play like with his... football players and stuff. In like no, Madden. he played all different types of games with his like uh, writers and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I That's think cool. they were. I think they would bring in celebrities though. They think, did sometimes. Yeah. They started with the just thing. the guy. I think his name was Aaron. It was like this like writer. But anyway. Um, look it looks like it's gonna be fun i think people are gonna really enjoy it especially children because that's who it's made mm -hmm. for i think it allows them to explore different characters and levels and and play the game and enjoy star wars the way they want to enjoy it and make it customized and that's what i like about it yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah that's a lot of players though 300 playable characters i started doing the math on that people have got a lot of favorites james yeah, but that, people I, you request know, a lot of origin stories. Now is their time to shine. Yeah, it's not that crazy though. <laughs> if you think about like, I guess that would be like what almost thirty characters per installment. So thirty Phantom Menace characters, thirty Attack of the Clones characters. About but then they probably are the same <laughs> characters with different outfits and stuff too. So sure. maybe it's not as crazy as I'm thinking. Um, all right, well, that's pretty much uh, the news this week, but there were a couple other things that we wanted to throw in here, um, and that was one um, that the actor, um, Jason Isaacs, who you might actually know from the Harry Potter franchise, um, long ago played the character of the Grand Inquisitor in Star Wars Rebels in season one. Uh, he was the voice actor, and m- much like many other uh, Star Wars characters that are starting to make the the live action crossover. He was asked about the possibility of ever returning as the live action Grand Inquisitor, and he just had good things to say all around. I'm open to anything. It's all about the script. Um, I thought the character was great, and if you want to write another great story for that character, he absolutely would return. Um, and he also mentioned that he is friends with uh, Katie Sackoff and talked spoke with her about her involvement in the Mandalorian. And uh, she had really good things to say, so he is 100% down. So if you like to see that, spread that around and see if maybe we can get um, the Grand Inquisitor involved in uh, Dis- some some Disney Plus stuff. That would be pretty Does cool. Does that mean he's popping in in uh, Kenobi? I no, because then he would say, I've never heard of it. I don't know. <laughs> That's Unless true. he's one of those actors like Joel Edgerton. He's like, so I had this whole character arc for Owen. <laughs> I'm just gonna. He shows up with poster boards. He's just yeah, like, yeah. He's like, I know Favreau doesn't like to write things out. I wrote out the whole script for Owen. Uh, he shows up with a PowerPoint. He's like, definition of great character is. He's like, look, I know <laughs> fighting. Have you ever seen the movie Warrior? I was in it with Tom Hardy. I could fight really well. I could play also a weirdo. <laughs> we can do the weirdo version. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Another thing uh, that we're going to be getting sometime soon is if you are a friend, uh, if you are a fan of the uh, myths and fables uh, type stories that they've been releasing here recently, um, we're going to get uh, another version that is called, uh, all about Life Day. Uh, so it's a Life Day treasury holiday stories from the galaxy far, far away, uh, and it's basically the same idea: uh, some loose artwork and short stories uh, that all have to do with uh, the particular life day 
holiday within the Star Wars galaxy, but obviously told from a, a few different points of views and uh, through different time frames as well as they highlight stories from the High Republic era all the way to uh, dealing with uh, Ewoks as well. And if you want to go check out the cool artwork that they released, uh, it is up on StarWars.com. That was an official announcement. So we're looking forward to that. So and, Kevin uh, Scott is the one that pitched that idea originally. Yeah. And he pitched it with the line Ewoks and Snow. So that's why there's a story of Ewoks and Snow. And also uh, the artwork, which is done by Grant Griffin, mm-hmm. very uh, Assassin's Creed vibes with Stellan Geos on the yeah. the rooftop yeah. with his on that particular one for which, sure because he's got the cloak too and stuff beard yeah. watch he still has a beard I know that was a big debate with Amy Rakow when she was on is like will he won't he have a beard he has a beard interesting I took it as is that a thing a beard watch <laughs> I said back when we interviewed with Amy talking about how the uh, concept art he either had a beard or didn't have a beard and every time they showed him it was one or the other. Yeah, I think I, I remember that. Well, the, the, yeah. I just always yeah. took it as concept as like, it, n- none of this matters. Well, it's like an he idea. has a beard, and he looks good. He has a beard officially. Then, yeah. <laughs> um, last thing that we wanted to mention is that uh, last week we got our first episode of Star Wars: The High Republic show, which is very similar to this week in Star Wars or the Star Wars show, um, and uh, Christina uh, Ariel. Uh, was is the host and she did a great job uh th- this particular show is interesting is we're gonna get interviews we're and um and, and we're gonna get these stories these animations that kind of line up with the uh, galaxy of adventures and all sorts of things that we're involved in here and and this was the first time that really i know you guys are gonna make fun of me but this is the first time i saw and i was like man it really does feel like they're putting a lot into this high republic thing because why would we've we never make fun anything- of you no, because like you guys have been saying it for months. Like you're like they just keep pushing the High Republic on us, <laughs> and I'm are. like, I think they're just doing it like they would normally any other book uh, yeah. series or whatever. But this, I think, this is different because it's a lot of books all coming mm-hmm. out in the same era, and mm-hmm. not just a very particular book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish that they would do more of these types of animations and and things revolving instead of just like one random interview with the author for the yeah, Star Wars show. Yeah. I, I would love to see these types of animations and and stories being told uh, through the YouTube channel and other things like that um, when it comes to this. So I, I praise this. I think this is great, uh, and I look forward to see more of it. Um, the High Republic is a big deal, and they're making it a big deal. So yeah, the pushing thing was um, just because they were making content that you wouldn't get for books, like trailers, and 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 they were really ramping up more than you would a, a mm-hmm. book release. That's I think that's what my narrative was on that. Just to be clear for the audience who are gonna take that out of context. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, well, that is pretty much it for uh, the Resistance Report this week. Lacey, uh, what do we got next on the show? All right, guys, it's time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of different ways you can support us. You can like this video, comment, subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN, on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast, um, or all the different platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review if you like the show. Tell people about us. It's how we grow. Um, But if you want more than that, if you want more access, more content, mailings, etc., you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast starting at $2 a month. 
uh, you support the show and everything that we're trying to do here uh, allows us to kind of live out our dreams and talk about Star Wars and create cool stuff, uh, which we thank you so much to let us do. Um, so we have different tiers. Our top tiers are generals, and they get to be a part of the show. So that's what this segment is all about. So first of all, thank you to our generals. So thank you to Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Jetta Rosewater, Michael Gaines, Bethany, Russ Harbison, Kendall Gelnar, Paul Olson, Jake Houchins, <laughs> Jeff Connery, Oliver Lewis, Dave Hornack, and Val Trichkoff. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. This week, we're introducing a new general for, uh, this is his first time doing the pod race. So we have General Indy Dave up to the Woo. plate for a sports reference. All right. So anyway, we asked him, if you could be placed in an existing Star Wars movie or show, which would you want to be in and what kind of character would you play? Take it away, Dave. Hey, everybody. Indy Dave checking in for my first pod race. So I thought about the question and would have been movies forever, but then the Mandalorian came out. We've seen some live action television and it's pretty cool. So I'd love to live in that world. And my thoughts are, uh, I've always loved legends and I like Quinlan Voss, the Jedi master in legends. He was kind of an undercover, uh, secret agent kind of Jedi, um, kind of rode a little bit of the dark slash light, maybe a little gray in them. And I'm thinking Andor, that television series coming up could use a Jedi influence and he would be the perfect kind of character. And I would love to play a Jedi. And I think that that would be a really cool way to expand out that character. Um, and maybe last a few seasons. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. May the force be with all of us. All right, Dave. Great job. So, John, what did you think? Uh, so, it's funny how he kind of um, had no problems changing what he had been used to and saying he would have went movies, but now that the Mandalorians come out, he would want to mm -hmm. live in that area. Um, uh, the Quinlan Voss thing is a very interesting answer. Um because, you know, I'm not heavily into the, I don't subscribe to the gray, uh, you know, Jedi type of thing. But it is a certainly a provocative idea. And you make a great point. It's a great way to get a Jedi into something like Andor where there probably wouldn't be. So I think that's an inventive idea. Uh, I love everything you got going on over there, Dave. Uh, I love that you have all the posters lined up and the special edition ones as well, which caught my eye. Uh, and I need to hear more of what else you got. It looks like you have a lot of stuff. So we got to talk uh, maybe in the in our collectibles <laughs> chat on the Discord and uh, exchange photos. And because I have some other stuff around here too, so I always like talking to people about what they have, especially like old stuff that they've had for a long time that you got to go like this and be like, oh yeah, I got this thing here. So, but anyway, uh, you did a great job. Thanks so much for your first pod race. Knocked it out of the park, Dave. You're the man. Thanks, General. Appreciate it, James. Uh, yeah, the 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 Quinlan Voss character I think is interesting. Now he he mentions here that he's a fan of the Legends version of Quinlan Voss, which I don't know a whole lot about. But the new version of Quinlan Voss kind of basically does fall to the dark side completely, um, but then like keeps playing like he's a good guy. 
um, for a while. So he's like, when you're reading the novel that he's in, you're constantly going back and forth. And I thought that was kind of interesting of saying like someone who toys the line, like maybe before he really did toy the line. Um, but now he was like, you say toy. The I don't line? know. They were, they were contrasting it. What is it? Toe the line, right? Toe the line, toy the line. <laughs> I said toy the line. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, how they balance out that character um, without actually making it like he's swapping between the two or something. Yeah. Like he was actually fully dark and uh, needed to be rescued. So I thought that was interesting. But I do like the idea of kind of a, a, a hero Jedi that's a little bit more like a stealth, like Captain America Winter Soldier sort of Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think that would be sweet. Nice. Yeah. But uh, but good on you, man. Uh, Indy Dave, thank you for being a general. Um, thank you for doing the pod race. Good answer. Dave. Congrats. You did your first pod race. You were awesome. We appreciate the support. Um, I love that you picked the Mandalorian time period because I think that, like, obviously we all are loving that period right now, and I totally want to join it too. Um, Love all the Grogu's that you have. I love that you're a collector. I'm a collector myself. So um, it's (laughs) nice. It's nice to have another collector uh, to talk to. So it's, it's been awesome getting to know you. Thank you to everyone Absolutely. else. Thank you to all our patrons. And now we're going to hear from the rest of the community as well, including some patrons with Ask the Resistance. John? I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? All right. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get to your questions right now. If you ever want to send one in, use hashtag Ask the Resistance on Twitter, or you can email it to us, uh, resistancebroadcast at gmail.com. And then we also pitch for them, and you reply below uh, with questions. Either way, we have some here. Uh, first one up from Frank Grande at Frank Grande 3. What is up, Frank? Uh, Lacey, this one's going to you. What characters that have never appeared together or met would you like to see interact? For example, for him, it's Han Solo and Yoda. Hey, Frank, how's it going? Hope all is well. Um, first of all, good answer to your own question. Second of all, good question. Um, I've had this kind of stuck in my head since we had a conversation about it a couple weeks ago here on the show. Um, I would love Ray and Ezra to meet. And I want them to meet in the next set of films in episode 10. I, I like have that stuck in my head now that I like want them to work together somehow or meet up or something. I think that'd be cool. That's my answer. I think it's like middle-aged Ezra. like that. Yeah, I think that there's stuff that she could learn from him. And, you know, the question is, like, where has he been? Which we talked to with Taylor Gray. You know, where mm-hmm. he's like, Dave. He's uh, out there. Yeah. He's not dead, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, he's not dead. <laughs> so uh, the question is, what's going on? So it would be cool to get an answer. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That would be cool to see. I hope we do see something like that. I hope we see more of Ray anyway, mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. All right, James. Uh, the book of Steve O at Steve O Wars <laughs> says, will there ever be a live action reunion between Ahsoka and Force Ghost Anakin? So in the past, they've avoided Luke and Anakin because Luke's relationship is really with Vader until the end of Jedi. Uh, would the Ahsoka Anakin reunion work better, even though it's not the voice actors? So he's, he's saying maybe a live action like Rosario Dawson meeting Hayden Christensen sort of thing. I never even yeah. considered that. That's crazy. Sorry, I don't mean to yeah. answer for you. <laughs> that is kind of wild. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Definitely tough. Um, I, I almost feel like this could be expanded much further than just me doing this on this Ask the Resistance. Um, but, it, you know, it is tough. I, I have been very curious about the Ahsoka and Luke uh, connection for so long. 
that um, it, it's interesting that it seems more likely that an Ahsoka Anakin reference could be made because he might not just be returning for Kenobi. He might be there to shoot Kenobi and also this one scene with Rosario Dawson, who he knows, you know, and, and they could do that whole thing. Um, because like you said, it's established very well that, you know, the force ghost characters come back to visit Padawans and other stuff like that. It's well established that Hayden Christensen is the form of the force ghost. It's not the older version anymore. This is a really crazy idea. I don't know. I think I think it could happen. It, I just don't know where, when, how. Right. Like I don't know. Maybe this is a, the Ahsoka show thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I at this point, I think it's one of those things where they're going to market Hayden Christensen as that's it's all Kenobi, and then just hit us randomly <laughs> in an episode, and you will you will not know because it just no one would ever question it. He's on set. She's on set. It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I like that. That's good. Yeah, that is good. And you're right. Maybe we could revisit that in a more lengthy way down the line. Um, all right. Down the line. Next up is me and Disney underscore dad at Disney dad nine asked people always mention someone finding Anakin and Leia's sabers on Tatooine. Interesting. He did say Anakin's there on Tatooine as a possible episode 10 storyline. But what if someone instead finds Kylo saber on Kef beer? I think I think that's very possible that could happen. Um, I, I certainly think those two sabers on Tatooine are getting dug up um, in some teaser down the line where we don't see the person's face, but we see a cloaked figure summon them, and that's how we take off on this new adventure or whatever. But I, I could see Kylo Ren's washing up somewhere and it having some sort of relevance, but I don't think is as likely. Um, especially because it's not even that good of a lightsaber, like in terms of. Right, but imagine if Ray is facing down this new bad guy, right, and he just pulls it out and lights it up. Imagine the moment there that she'd be like, <gasps> like. She'd be like, "Oh my god, oh, I've beaten that lightsaber before." That's not the reaction she would have. <laughs> she would. On. She would take it and throw it over her shoulder. <laughs> what, what, what a weird reaction to have like if somebody pulled out a gun you're like i've beaten that gun before <laughs> like, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh yeah i think i think it's possible we see that lightsaber again um but yeah. uh, we'll see all right thank you everyone for all of your questions and thank you uh for everyone for listening and watching and being a part of trb i love you guys um be be nice to each other, and if people are jerks, uh, let them know they're jerks, and and just avoid them. That's the best way to do it, folks. All right, and we know our community speaks for itself. We love you guys, and we thank you for keeping TRB an awesome place that involves everybody. So I think that's uh, awesome. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, make sure you do it on your preferred podcast platform, like Lacey said before, or YouTube. If you're watching, subscribe, like the video, all that classic stuff you always hear. Uh, go to StarWarsNewsNet.com for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, check out our merch store over at Teespring. And uh, I think that pretty much covers that. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and StarWarsNewsNet.com. And if you like other movies and me talking about other movies, uh, just like the movies on uh, your major podcast apps. Uh, James, what's up? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. And 
tomorrow we're releasing the Into the Dark book discussions and what happened in Into the Dark. Um, so if you are interested in that book, uh, go check those out. Nice. Spoiler filled though. Yeah. So if you're interested in the book, maybe read the book, come back later, bookmark it. If not, if you just want to know what happened, got a video for you. Nice. Right on. That's a big one. Everyone's excited for that one, obviously. Claudia, Claudia Gray. Gray. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who's rocking the gray hair now? We rate it on the gray scale. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> uh, all right, Lacey. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. Okay. We will be back on Thursday where we're going to have fun with a hypothetical. What if when George Lucas made Star Wars, he wasn't really thinking sequel and he killed Darth Vader at the end of episode four. And then he had to make sequels and said, oh, now what am I going to do? So we're going to have fun talking about that hypothetical in some alternate timeline. But really just what if he actually did that? What would it be like? So uh, (laughs) thank you all so much once again. And as always, we'll see you next time right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids.